Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's time for Tim. The Tim Weisberg Show on 1420 WBSM and streaming live on WBSM.com and the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message through the WBSM app. And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg. And welcome back in 508-996-0500 or app chat via the WBSM app or open line on the WBSM app. So text us or voicemail us either way. We'd love to hear from you if you can't call in directly. Uh, in the first hour, we talked about a few different things, including the just something that, that popped into my head when I was driving in this morning, and I, I heard Phil mention that um, at Brook, well, in the shower, when I was taking a shower, I was listening to, and while I was, you know, basically all morning, my alarm goes off, wakes me up with Phil, goes off at 6, 620, 640, 7, but when, <laughs> but when it goes off, it goes off with Phil, and I hear what he's talking about all morning. And and usually, if I'm not, you know, trying to catch up on some work, some mornings I have to turn the app off and actually catch up with some work from the night before. Maybe schedule some of the, um, some of the uh, some of the uh, articles that were published uh, that from Phil and Barry, and get those scheduled out and all that kind of stuff. So, but this morning I was listening and I heard him mentioning that they are having the Way of the Cross reenactment at Brooklawn Park. I heard him mention that they are ha- this weekend they are having the sunrise service at Fort Phoenix on Easter Sunday, which they've done for many, 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 many years. I think, I think he said 85 years now. So, but of course, these are important Easter traditions here on the South Coast. But what I noticed is that both of those events are in public parks, when the Baphomet depiction was put into the Klasky Common display back at Christmas time, the argument that I heard from people was that religious parks should not be used for people's religious displays and religious observances, right? And so here's here's a an example of two religious services or two religious observations that are happening in a public park. And I don't see anything wrong with it, just like I don't see anything wrong with there being a depiction of Baphomet in a public park either. So this uh, we got this from HT in New Bedford to the Fairhaven caller. Tell me you're the creator of the Baphomet Christmas decoration without telling me you're the creator of the Baphomet Christmas decoration. No, I don't think that that was the creator. Um, hold on. Uh, you sent another message while I was trying to read that one. Hang on. I will get it to you. 
I am honestly not a practitioner of any religion. I do believe in a higher power. I am no expert in any religion, however. We're talking about the Easter in the form of a religious commercial holiday. How come in the past people weren't bent out of shape that there was a Baphomet decoration or some pagan decoration? If you believe in constellations or goat deities, have at it. Just to start your own display in another area to be courteous to people that may believe in the zombie Jesus Easter bunny holiday. I am also always receptive to other people's beliefs and opinions. However, it seems like the people that are on the other side are more steadfast and unwilling to see the other side for me to remove the perspective. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't follow what you're saying there necessarily. the The person's point was that the per and it was a the, the app chatter from Fairhaven. The his point was that these holidays have already co opted pagan rituals and pagan observations so you shouldn't be upset if there's a pagan deity that somebody wants to worship during that because it was originally a pagan celebration anyway so that was that was the person's original point nobody's trying to force anybody to believe anything here necessarily if anything i've found that christianity has tried to to force itself as being the the dominant religion and anything else should should take a second should take a back seat to it and i don't i don't mean modern well maybe maybe in modernity too modern maybe in modern times too but it's also that's kind of historically how it built built the power of the church was by co-opting these other observations and and incorporating them into the holidays and i don't mean that they're taking it and and putting it into their belief systems although there were a lot of messiah stories before jesus but it's it's taking the traditions of that time and just incorporating it into the way that they celebrate it so yeah the the bunny was a sign of new life the lily the easter lily was a sign of renewal and so those were brought into the way that people celebrate easter and I think that that's, that's what the point was of, of the app chatter. 508-996-0500 if you want to call in and chime in on that. Uh, also, the article that I put up at WBSM.com and on the app, which I remember distinctly fighting back, pushing back on people's assertions that there are folks who pronounce the town of Dartmouth as Darkmouth with a K instead of a T. And I said, that can't be real. And it, it was proven to me by callers that it really is real. Like, the, it is a thing that people say, and now I hear it all the time. But I I found another one that I didn't realize had been hitting my ears for many years until I kind of zeroed in on it one day last week. And that is the fact that if you say the name of the town of Fairhaven, you would think you have two choices. You want to say Fairhaven with the emphasis on the first syllable, or Fairhaven, with the emphasis kind of on the middle syllable, but still, you know, breaking it down into fair and haven. But that people, especially people who live in the town, have found a third way to pronounce it, and that is Fairhaven. And uh, like I said, check out the check out the article on the WBSM Facebook page and see if there's somebody you can tag in that and say, see, 
I'm not the only one that hears it when you say it that way. Uh, so you can you can have fun with it. It's it's all in good fun. I'm not not trying to mock anybody, not trying to insult anybody, but uh, it did kind of catch my interest there. And I said to other people in the building, "Am I the only one that's hearing this? Is this is this a real thing?" And when I think about it, the more I go back to it, I think the first time I might have heard it was when I was in high school or or maybe when I was covering uh, South Coast football for the Standard Times. And it was Dan Nault, who was a Fairhaven guy, who was the coach of the Wareham Vikings at the time and was talking about playing Fairhaven, and I believe he pronounced it Fairhaven. And I thought that might have just been a him thing because he originally comes from Rhode Island before he moved to Fairhaven. So I was like, maybe that's just, you know, Something like that, but no, it was it's 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 a I guess it's a local thing, it's a towny thing. So call me with your theories as to why that might be. Where did it come from? How is it? Why is it provide? Why is it pronounced that way? So we can certainly talk about that as well. So we have something that's very polarizing that we can discuss in terms of you know why are these Easter celebrations okay to have in a public park, but not a depiction of Baphomet versus the lighthearted thing, the way that people say Fahaven. Also, though, there are a couple of uh, important news stories out there for you to know about, including the the tragic story of what happened at UMass Dartmouth yesterday with a student being killed uh, uh, in an incident in the parking lot. So that is something that, um, you know, Kate has an article up and is uh, continuously trying to get more details on. And she has a number of other stories that are, are in the works as well. She has the story of a, um, a a body pulled from the Taunton River in Fall River. So you can read all about that as well. She has a story about um, no foul play being suspected in that death. I mean, it's there's all kinds of news happening. There's And she's working on a couple of other stories. Marcus is working on a story from last night's announcement on South Coast Tonight. If you missed it, uh, Leo Choquette said that he is going to be running in Ward 1 again. So... He ran previously and came close but lost to Brad Markey, and uh, he is now running again for that seat. And as he said last night on South Coast Tonight, you know, it's nothing against Brad Markey and, and the job that he has done. It's just, you know, Leo thinks that he has a great skill set that will help benefit the city council and that he can work with all of the councilors and the mayor to get things done. And you can hear that interview in its entirety at WBSM.com, on the app, or wherever you get your podcasts from. But Marcus is writing it up to give you a little bit more info about it as well. And um, again, anybody who wants to run for office in the city this year, whether you are a challenger or whether you are incumbent announcing re-election, South Coast tonight is the place to do it. I am, I am going to hold the mayor to if he's going to announce one way or the other, I'm going to hold him to doing that on, on, on this show. But if you want to reach out to Marcus, it's, uh, I believe Marcus at WBSM.com sends directly to him. If not, I will make sure that we get that working to make it easy. But just reach out to Marcus. He's really easy to get a hold of. And he will set it up with you so that you can go on South Coast tonight and uh, and be able to make that announcement. Because we are in that season now. People are pulling papers there are people that we have seen that we know that have pulled papers. We're going to let them come and announce it in, in their in their own time because a lot of times 
Sometimes they pull papers and decide against it. Sometimes they're out there getting signatures and they realize, you know what, maybe people are happy with the person who's in that position already and I don't need to challenge them, whatever the decisions might be. So I don't really love, like, just reporting, oh, this person pulled papers. Because it doesn't necessarily mean anything. When they return them, signed, that's a different story. But if you want to come on and announce that you are running, Marcus would love to have you come on South Coast tonight and do so. And if you ever have any trouble getting a hold of him, you can always send him an app chat message um, under the South Coast Tonight Show, or you can always email me, Tim at WBSM.com, and I'll make sure he gets it. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You were on WBSM. Hello. Oh, hold on. Let me press that again. Didn't press hard enough. There you are. Hi, Tim. What's on your mind? My name is Johnny Wendell Hawaii. Hey, Johnny. Uh, forgive me, I'm on a hands-free device because I'm I'm in my vehicle. You can hear me okay? I can. Okay. I want to tell you what happened to me yesterday. Yesterday, I was bringing food to a family member who was attending to Mass Dartmouth. And um, <clears throat> so, as you know, there's probably a lot of construction up there. they got new buildings and stuff. So I'm looking for this building that this person is in. And I realized that I had drove by it. So I just went, like, you know, another few feet. I turned around on the parking lot. And coming out of that parking lot was one of the little shuttle buses that was in front of me. So the shuttle bus was stopped. And I started getting a little impatient. I said, what the hell is going on, man? What are you, come out and move it, you know? So <clears throat> I, uh, I, I went around the shuttle bus. And I noticed there was a crowd. People were gathering. So I saw somebody laying on the ground. So I saw a man. Somebody passed out or something, you know. So I parked over on the side of the road. There, put my Chloe glasses on. And I went in <laughs> to the crowd. And laying in the road was a, a young man who was... I'm not going to get into the anyway. And there was, an older, there was an older woman. I guess she was a teacher or something, and she's trying to get people away, people away. So I ran over to him. I said to her, I said, anybody give her CPI? And she grabbed me by the arm, and she looked at me, and she shook her head. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, in other words, CPI is going to help this guy. And, uh, and so I went over to him and I looked and I wish that I had never had looked. And, uh, it was obvious at that time that this kid was gone. So I, at, at that point, you know, your body kind of goes into like a shock mode. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. Things kind of slow down a little bit. And I'm thinking to myself, I, I, I'm looking at this kid and I knew... He was gone. There's just, I'm not a doctor or nothing, but I, you know, like I said, I'm not going to get into details, but from what I saw, it was clear that this kid was gone. And so I just kind of went into that shock mode, you know, and I just walked away, and my next uh, mission was to just to get the hell out of there and get the food delivered to the person that I was uh, delivering it to, you know. Which I eventually did find this person, gave him the food that I needed to give him. And by that time, there, there was no...
pops are EMS and nothing there yet. When I was, uh, you know, when I go back there, the <clears throat> EMSs had just came up to them. And they were giving them CPR. I knew they were wasting their time, and like you know, all the people did too. But they they were trying to revive him. And uh, you could tell by the way they picked him up and put him on a stretcher that he was gone because they would never put an injured stretcher on uh, an injured person on a stretcher without a backboard or anything the way they put him on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And at that point, it really it just hit me hard that you know this poor kid was he was done. You know, and it was just the most horrific thing. I I mean I've seen some accidents, I've seen some gruesome stuff. But it, this was the worst. This was the worst I had ever seen. Right, and it's a place where and you I can say, without giving you too many details, it appeared to me, again, I'm not an accident investigator or anything, but it appears to me that the poor guy was dragged for a distance. Oh, no. Yeah, and uh, that's all I'm going to say about any of that. You know what I mean? But without getting to any gory details or anything. But it, it, was, it was the most horrific thing I had seen. It really didn't hit me until I started driving home. You know, I honestly, if I slept an hour last night, you know what I mean? I, I, I slept an hour and that's about it. It really, really, it was horrible. I see that WBSM had it up around 11 o'clock last night on their website, uh, which confirmed everything to me and put a name to the kid. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's love, love your family members, man, because you never know. Oh, and the other thing I want to say, too, is these EMTs that were there, you know, some very young people, and, you know, the cops were there, the state cops ended up be there. And, you know, it comes a time, I have a lot of disagreements with law enforcement a lot of times and everything. Through my life, I've had some bad experience with them. But these are the days that these people really earn their pay. I yeah, mean, absolutely. You know, it has to go up to a person like this who is just in incredibly bad shape and try to save them, and when you realize that you couldn't save them. I mean, I was heartbroken. I'm still heartbroken today. You know what I mean? I don't know how these people do that every single day. My hat's so often. No, well, I'm sorry that you. I'm sorry that you had to witness that, Johnny. But thank you for for calling in and giving us some some perspective on it, and some insight. It certain, certainly certainly sounds like it was a traumatic thing, and I hope um, I hope talking about it, it with does. us helped you out a little bit. And 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 it so. Does. And that, and I'll tell you who else I feel bad for was the number of kids that were gathered around there. And, you know, they were just in disbelief, you know. Mm-hmm. I believe uh, it, yeah. You know? So I understand the council services at school today, which uh, very well needed. <laughs> believe me. Sure. I got to just so, hold you there because I'm up against the break. Okay. But thank you so much for you sharing with day. us. You as well. You're welcome, Tim. Have a great day. Thanks and and re- reach out to me if uh, if it gets too much and you just need somebody to talk to. All right, take it easy. And uh, we do have to take a break. That is um, uh, because we are going to be joined in just a few moments by New Bedford City Council President Linda Morad and Ward 6 Council Ryan Pereira. We'll be back in just a few moments. And welcome back in. It is Friday at 1030. That means it is time for us to speak with New Bedford City Council President Linda Morad. And joining her today, she has Ward 6 Council Ryan Pereira. Good morning to both of you. How are you? 
Good morning, Tim. How are you? Uh, doing all right. And um, we are, this is our first time having both of you on the phone at once on our new old phones. So if we have any issues, I apologize ahead of time. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're, we're working with what we got. Uh, speaking of... So you're using my my world technology. That's good. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, I have to say, it's it's working out so far. So uh, anything that happens from this point on is probably going to be human error on my part. So... If I hang up on both of you, that's that's just my we'll my deal, own fault. We'll deal with it, no problem. <laughs> so it's it's been quite a week, uh, Councillor Pereira. Earlier this week, uh, we talked about it here on the air. You had actually uh, put out a, a press release with your response to the city's uh, comprehensive housing plan, and um, you had said that you were just a little bit. You know that you liked a lot of the measures that were put forth in there, but that um, you were a little bit upset about the way that it was presented. And I want to give you the chance to kind of expand on that a little bit. Yeah, definitely, Tim. Thank you. So overall, uh, after reading the plan, I'm thrilled that the administration is is going this way. I think it's wonderful that the administration has decided that at this point in time. This is something that they need to address. I think we're seeing a housing issue across the board that I feel um, that is very important to both the residents of Ward 6 and the residents in uh, the city as a whole. Now, with that being said, I do feel that uh, the invitation to the press conference, uh, I only received that 24 hours prior. And that, that's a little disappointing as I would have loved to have attended that press conference. And further... Uh, when inquiring about it, it was very hush-hush uh, as far as what details were in the plan. And I wish I was just able to participate more in the process and build it together. But nevertheless, as I said in my statement, I, I'm, I believe in this so much that I'm, I, I want to work with the administration to make sure a lot of these changes are made because I do believe they are important. And, and, and Council President Morad, what was your, your reaction to the way that it was presented? Do you feel the same as Councilor Pereira? Um, yeah, I was very angry. As a matter of fact, uh, when we got the invitation to the press conference, I immediately sent a message to uh, Mayor Mitchell and said, what the heck is this? Um, you know, we've been working, we've been speaking about this now for six or seven months in the council uh, regarding the housing issue in 2022. And in addition to that, my colleagues have motions on it, on the agenda regarding the ballot question and there was nothing, absolutely nothing. And the response I got back was very disappointing. It said, I mentioned it in the veto. And, you know, I'm just, this is not the way it should work. As Council Pereira has said, and as Council Burgo said before, um, you know, maybe we should have been at the table while we were discussing what we were going to put in the comprehensive plan. But uh, it isn't just one government body working to solve this problem. So although I applaud that we're going to move forward, I'm very proud of my colleagues for, in my opinion, having forced the issue uh, by raising it so strongly in the last several months, where it's now uh, the focus of this administration, which it has not been in the past. And uh, I'm just glad to see that we're moving forward. And as Councilor Pereira said, and Councilor Burgo has said, all my colleagues have said, we'll do our best to do what's right for the city of New Bedford. And and do you feel, Councilor Pereira, looking at some of these measures, you know, how do you feel about the rent stabilization question, looking at what the city's plans are now to, to try to go forward? Because you did say that you agreed with a lot of some of the things that were put in plan. Do you, do, do you see this working in harmony? Do you think that it can supersede it? What, how, do you, how do you see the, those two things working uh, either in conjunction or, or against each other? 
Yeah, so, well, I, I do feel that everything is a tool in the toolbox, right? I don't think there's one master switch you can pull to fix uh, the housing crisis, um, because this housing crisis is not just affecting New Bedford, it's affecting cities across our nation, uh, specifically in, in, in Massachusetts, I, I can speak to, that I know that cities of our size are, are dealing with this issue. Now, with that being said, I, I am interested to see where rent stabilization goes from here, um, what the dialogue will be, because I do feel a lot of these issues, uh, a, a lot of the issues, uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, a lot of the items that the plan was talking about will help the housing crisis. And I think a lot of those should be uh, uh, looked at carefully, but I don't think that we should, it should be mutually exclusive. I do think everything should be looked at together. And, and I'm sure that we will have those discussions going forward on the council floor and meeting with stakeholders in the city and residents and taking a look at, at, at uh, every angle of this as I think it should be and, and not undermining the power of the people and making sure their voices are heard. And I agree with that statement. You know, I, I have a lot of faith in the new director. I had faith in the last director as well of community housing, Josh Emerald. Uh He's a man of his word. He always has been. I'm sure that he will move forward uh, diligently with these issues and will be working with him side by side. However, you know, the track record of this administration over the course of its many years has not been to put housing to be a priority. So I am hoping that, you know, Josh Amaral, in conjunction with the other stakeholders and ourselves, can force this issue to move forward. There have been too many examples that we've had over the course of my term uh, where, you know, developers have talked about housing and have been basically pushed away from the city. So we'll see how, we'll see how it plays out. We're willing to work together, all of us, as we have always been, and uh, hopefully it will be the best result for everybody. And as uh, I like that you took my comments there, Council Ferreira. That's what I said. It's one tool in the toolbox. You know, we're, we've, we've organized meetings with the Landlord Association. Uh, Council Burgo and Councilor Gomes are attending their June 1st meeting. Unfortunately, I'm not available that night. And we're working to get together with the Realtors Association, with the Chamber of Commerce and others, because all everybody, everybody should be at the table for this discussion. And, and and I think that you've got somebody who is uh, – not, not that the previous director didn't do a great job, as you mentioned, uh, Council President Morad, but, you know, you've got somebody with Josh who talked for so many years, Josh Amaral, who talked many years about the need for more housing. So now it's like a matter of – and I was kind of teasing him about it when he was here with me last week. It's a – you know, you got to put your money where your mouth is kind of thing because you've been advocating for this for so long. Now you're the person that has the, the ability to help make it happen. Yep, that's right. We told him the honeymoon was over. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with that more. Money, money where your mouth is. And that goes for, uh, uh, including this plan. And that's, and that's where a role I think the council will play is, is following through and, and following up to make sure that we're, where, that the city and the administration is following through with what they put on paper. Well, and as chair of the ordinance committee, you're going to have a, a lot of involvement in this process. Absolutely. You know, well, the, the, it does talk about trying to get through a lot of that regulatory framework, cutting through the red tape, in other words. And a lot of that will have to be in the form of zoning changes and maybe even ordinance changes. And that typically will come through the Committee on Ordinances. And, and as I stated in the, pre, in the press release, that I, I, I am committed to this plan. I do think it's, it's a good plan. And I plan on making sure that uh, meetings are held in, in a time-sensitive manner 
while also not forgetting or making sure that residents are being heard and able to come to meetings. So making sure meetings are scheduled properly, advertisements are going out properly, and and it's thanks to a lot of things to uh, the ladies that we have in our office who do such a good job, but making sure everything is working correctly so that we're not making mistakes or, or having slip-ups and we can move the process forward. And, and Council President Morad, a lot of this, you know, what we're calling red tape, this stuff that is a hindrance to some of this development is stuff that's been around for a long time, many, many years. So I'm sure, you know, that the, the, the council as a whole is looking at this and saying it, we can take a fresh look at a lot of these things that are going on and, and seeing what we can do to help streamline that process for a more modern type of development. Yep, we've been talking about that pretty regularly, as you know. Um, we've made some changes, but, I mean, things like allowing special permits to be granted for zoning restrictions, um, you know, uh, issues related to specific neighborhoods and parking requirements, um, issues related to frontage and lot size for specific buildings and green space requirements. I think I think those are things that are, uh, are looked at on an individual basis and will help us to move these developments forward, but then continue to protect the integrity of the neighborhood. Absolutely. Well, uh, Councilor Pereira, one other thing I would like to definitely talk with you about is uh, the Beach Advisory Committee. We've been talking, we've been hearing a lot about this, and I think a lot of folks are behind, you know, what's going on with this idea. Can you share us with a little bit about, share a little bit with us about what you envision here? Yeah, sure. So, you know, one thing that uh, a while back, uh, going to attending the Clarks Point uh, Neighborhood Association meetings down in the South End at the uh, sewage treatment plants where they're held, uh, you know, it's a heavily attended meeting and a lot of residents reached out to me to ask me, hey, what can we do more about our beaches? You know, we're concerned about whether it be some environmental factors that are that are occurring there or uh, maybe it's some uh, uh, use of the beaches that they'd like to see changed or uh, um, you know, various things. And there's really not a board that specializes or a commission that specializes in the beaches. It's kind of a, a pull between either the Conservation Commission and the Parks Board. Now, Parks Board is a state entity that, that has uh, uh, laws that, are, you know, they, they're, they're, they're governed by the state, so to speak, and they have a little bit more power than most boards because of that. With that being said, uh, uh, this advisory or, commi- or, or commission um, would not be to circumvent that process, but just to give them another tool. We were talking about it with the housing crisis, another tool to utilize so that the parks board can really investigate things. So in speaking with the administration, uh, um, you know, uh, at first they were a little uh, on the edge about it and not sure, but, you know, we had another meeting with the mayor and, and his COO, Christina Connolly, who does live in the South End, which is uh, a bonus. Uh, and, and she did agree that, that there was some concerns and that, and that she, I, I do believe we're coming to some consensus. We're going to hold a parks board meeting in the South End, um, to, uh, to try and, uh, uh, facilitate conversations surrounding the beaches and possibly look to create some sort of subcommittee or ad hoc committee. Uh, out of the parks board that kind of reports to and from the parks board. Uh, so we're still going to look to work out the details on that, but that was something that was discussed that I'm, I'm happy to give an update to the count, uh, to the public at a, at a council meeting coming up and discussion of, of how this will all work out. And I think there's going to be trial and error and I don't, I think it's going to take a little bit of time, but it does seem like the administration is on board with getting something done. 
And, and being an advisory committee, it would be, you know, just to advocate for things. It wouldn't be the ones setting the policy. That's still the park board. But you'd be able to, you know, hear the residents' concerns and be able to, to best represent them when going to the park board with it. Yeah, definitely. You know, a more informal uh, uh, type of session, right, where dialogue can happen. Uh, you know, when uh, boards and commissions, uh, uh, it's a formal meeting, right? It's 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 their 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 rulings are final and and our law. Um, you know, and, and this will be more of like a committee meeting of, of the council, right? So we have our formal council sessions where the laws, where 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 final say happens. But this will be more of a committee, uh, fact finding purposes and how it all shakes up, whether it's members of the parks board that are are on this, or we actually have community members on the advisory board. But some sort of dialogue can happen where it can be more of a forum setting. Okay, this is a problem that we're seeing as a neighbor across the street. This is an idea we had to solve that. And that's one thing that I like to stress. Uh, you know, this isn't just a, a place to complain. We're going to try and solve issues and get things done. We have a lot of people in the South End who care deeply about, about their beaches. And, and, uh, and I know that they, they have good solutions to ideas. And this is just a way to facilitate those ideas coming forward. Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking about like the inflatable water park where, you know, that comes in and it changes the parking structure and everything that's going on down there on the south end. And, and the residents felt like they were kind of cut out of that process for the most part. Yeah, definitely. Uh, on that issue, I, I know that there was a resident who had a good idea to move the water park closer to the Fort Tabor area where there's ample parking which would have been a good idea. I know that, that another issue that's been going crazy is the issue of the seagrass and, and managing of that because it is spreading wildly outside of the original areas where it was planted uh, back in the day and, and, and mitigating of those uh, to, to preserve our beach space. So, and, and Council President Moore, this is probably something that's long overdue, having having an advisory committee like this. There's beaches in New Bedford. I'm a North End girl. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, absolutely. I mean, I think this it's positive to uh, have the discussions and try to and try this out at first. It may not work. I mean, um, maybe it is good for a few things, and then it just stands. But there's no reason why we can't try uh, new ways of communicating and making things better. I think all of us, everybody in the city, cares about the integrity of neighborhoods. You've heard me say that more than once, and this is just another way uh, to make sure that people are participating in the process and we're having the best results for everybody. Well, you mentioned being a North End girl, and at least in the near North End, parking is a real concern for people, and it's a concern across the city, and now there is going to be more enforcement of some of the parking restrictions uh, when it comes to those. And, and I think residents hear this, and they think to themselves, you know, this is this is a money grab by the administration. That was one of the comments that I saw. But in actuality, this is a way to make it so that the people who live in these, in these places can have a place to park when they come home. Yeah, um, you know, we have been, the neighborhood groups have been speaking about this for a while. Uh, Councilor Jesta had taken the lead along with uh, wrapping in Councilor Gomes as public safety chair regarding this issue. And we actually went to the chief a few, few months ago and talked to him about this issue. And he agreed that he would, you know, use some of the men and women who are in the traffic division overnight to, you know, to see what's going on out there. And after the first uh, overnight session, they came back to the chief and said, wow, uh, you know, we, we need to address this. So then we said to the chief, appreciate you doing that. Um, Council Jester was, you know, thrilled that that's moving forward to get 
so many calls. I know my ward councils all do. And then um, we said to them, we said to the chief, look, you got to put something out. So he did put something out saying that, you know, they're going to enforce this. And it, it isn't a money grab. I did see a couple of negative comments, but there were hundreds of positive comments. Mm-hmm. Uh, people actually telling the police department where to come uh, in their neighborhood. So I think it's important that uh, people understand that you have to you have to have consideration for your neighbors. You can't you can't park illegally, block people in, um, you know, block handicap accesses, block fire hydrants, etc. And uh, hopefully, people will get the message, and our neighborhoods will be better for it. We applaud and we thank the chief for listening to us and for helping us try to solve this issue. And I know parking is always an issue down on the south end too, Councilor Pereira. Yes, definitely. I, I, I have to agree that as a ward counselor, I get my fair share of, of calls regarding parking, whether it's in densely populated areas or, or, or of Roosevelt Street, Ashley Street, McGurk, um, you know, off of Ruth, that whole area. Uh, I have one lady who calls me. She's got a handicapped parking spot outside of her home because she doesn't have a, 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 she's an elderly lady who has a handicapped placard and she has handicapped parking spaces because she has no driveway. And with that being said, uh, she's calling me, telling me this car is parked there all the time without handicapped placards. Uh, and, and also another lady that has a fire hydrant outside of her home, she calls me and says they're parked in front of the fire hydrant again. You know, it makes me nervous because if there was something to happen in my, uh, in my house or my neighbor's house, it's just going to delay the fire department's response and getting that removed. So, you know, I, I have to, you know, I relay those calls to the, either the traffic division or the police department, depending on the severity. And, and it, it can be frustrating to a lot of residents. And, and speaking of, of parking, Council President Moore, sorry, you were going to say something. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's okay. Go ahead. I was going to say, speaking of parking, people have to be aware right now that street sweeping is occurring, and that's going to change where people can park for a little while. Yeah, that began last night, April 6th. Um, there is a notice out on the city's website. We would appreciate it if WBSM might also publish that so that people are aware. But we, we got some concerns in reverse from the chief about this issue, uh, that uh, we're having we're having to tow too many cars, and that's not really what the, what the purpose of this is. We are under some EDEPA and EDEP mandates about stuff going into the sewer system, so we have to implement a street sweeping program. However, um, we need to have a relook at that. And I, I did talk to uh, John Mitchell about that this week when we met and told him that I want to pull together a group of people, uh, the chief included, uh, to talk a little bit about how we might not, unfortunately, in this season, but next season, tweak that program a little so that it works for the benefit of the city and we can eliminate hopefully eliminate towing so many cars the problem is that when we're you know requiring that both sides of a street not have parking there's really no place for a lot of these vehicles to go now that being said there are people who ignore the notices i mean uh, there are some people who are in violation of paying attention to what the notice said they're parked those notices are put up on almost every telephone pole it's hard to miss but you know, we want to make sure that we're, we're doing it for the right reason and we're doing it with the least amount of disruption, not only to the residents, but obviously to the police department. They've, they've got a lot more important things to do than worry about towing cars for street sweeping. Right. Yeah. You, I mean, and, and just helping helping move the process along gets it done faster and, and makes it so that uh, everything will look a lot better in, in the end result, too. Yep. And we've done it now for a couple of years and maybe there's a couple of things we can tweak. Maybe not. I mean, but let's at least have the conversation. 
uh, uh, John was John Mitchell was open to that conversation, and I'll set that up in the next month so that we can hopefully have a plan uh, that we may change a little bit in the 2024 season. Okay, I'm up against a break here that I have to take, but in the final moment that we have, I know that there are a couple of meetings coming up this week. I want to let you make the public aware of what will be discussed. Um, we have public safety on Monday and um, committee on ordinance on Tuesday, I believe. Uh, the ordinance yeah. committee is going to readdress an issue that we tried to address a month or so ago. Council Pereira had that item open. Uh, we're trying to provide uh, dental and vision coverage or Unit C employees who currently do not have that. Uh, we had some pushback by the uh, three unions in the city, so we've invited all of them to come. Uh, we have the plan that the city's trying to move forward with regard to giving that insurance to our Unit C employees. When you offer it to Unit C employees, you have to offer that plan to all employees, which means that it would also be eligible for uh, the police, fire, and AFSCME uh, group. So we're going to have a discussion and see what the issue is. They've all been provided the information that the city is currently proposing. And uh, hopefully uh, the last meeting, some of my colleagues decided to table the item. Hopefully we'll have a discussion and we can move the item forward one way or another. But I don't know if you want to add anything with regard to that, Council Pereira. No, I, I look forward to having a good discussion, um, trying to figure out how we can make this work for everyone. You know, it, it comes at no cost to the taxpayer. So I, I do think it's a, a win for uh, employees who are currently not offered dental and vision insurance. So I'd like to see a way to make this work so that all, all, all are satisfied with this um, again uh, and, and, and move this item forward. All right. On public safety, well, on public safety, though, you might want to have... Um, I just want to wonder, Councilor Gomes is hosting a meeting. Um, Councilor Pereira was concerned about this as well uh, regarding some outages we had from Eversource in various neighborhoods across our city. So um, that will be on Monday night, and if people are interested in what Eversource has to say, uh, they might want to attend that meeting. Very important as we get into air conditioner season and everybody's absolutely sucking off the grid a little bit more. Yeah. Well, thank you both for joining us. Uh, Council President Moore, we'll talk to you next week with uh, with Councilor Giesta. Yes. And uh, I hope everyone has a nice Passover and a great Easter holiday and enjoys the nice weather that we're going to have in the next few days. Thank you. And thank you both. And I hope you have a, a great weekend too. whatever you celebrate. Right. Thank you, Thank very you much. Tim. Take care. That is uh, New Bedford City Council President Linda Morad and Ward 6 Council Ryan Pereira. We do have to take a break. We'll be back in a few moments. Tom. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.